This is Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain podcast. I'm Tamara, founder and editor in chief. After over 20 years in the fashion and magazine industries, I launched StoryandRain.com, a digital fashion, beauty, and lifestyle publication where we're bridging the gap between reading a magazine and shopping its pages. On this podcast, you'll discover the emerging trends and tastemakers that matter right now. As a catalyst for creativity and through candid conversations with our community of cultural arbiters, we're your resource for discovering today's most interesting people, projects, and products. And we'll explore the origins for game-changing ideas and careers. With our high-low approach to style and the belief that there's magic in the mix, we're going to inspire you to live your most stylish life. When I first interviewed Sydney Sweeney for Story and Rain in 2019, I quickly learned that the rising star is one serious actress. Season one of HBO's most streamed show to date, Euphoria, had just begun. And in our offices, we sat down to talk about how she's able to work with such heavy material in her role as Cassie Howard. That's when I learned that Sydney creates intricate and elaborate books for every character she plays. The unique artist makes an interactive timeline, a journal, and a diary of her character's entire lives, from the day that they were born to the first page of the script. Since that first conversation, Euphoria has had tremendous success, becoming a phenomenon of sorts, with people recreating its makeup looks and its fashion, and waiting with bated breath for much-anticipated season two. On this podcast, Sydney gives her own perspective on that phenomenon, and she shares how she thinks being a teenager and coming of age is dark. We also talk about what it's been like working with Hollywood's heavy hitters so early on in her career, people like Quentin Tarantino, Jean-Marc Vallée, Mike White, and more. And speaking of Mike White, we get into all the details of her experience and her role in this summer's acclaimed series, The White Lotus, and how she's learned a great deal about comedy. We talk her expansion as an artist and as a creative, but we also talk the hardworking actress's downtime, her friends, her family, her dog, and her obsessed list of favorite things. We discuss the notion of self-care, the way that she was raised, and the pros and cons of being in the spotlight. Sydney shares the details of her upcoming film and series, Amazon's The Voyeurs, and The Players Club, the exciting first project to be produced by her very own production company, 5050 Films. A self-proclaimed avid reader, Sydney has always had an active imagination and has put that imagination to work, hard work. Sydney Sweeney's future is bright and just watch her as she takes it next level by producing her own projects. Here's my conversation with Story and Rain cover star, Sydney Sweeney. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's so funny. It was literally two years ago this month that you and I first talked. And I just feel like so much has happened since then. Everything, life, world, everything has changed. Right? Yeah, so much has happened. So Sydney, your latest role is in Mike White's The White Lotus. But you're developing quite a career playing roles that are dark sharp objects, euphoria, once upon a time in Hollywood, and now the White Lotus. Are you beginning to think about how you might balance those roles by taking on different types of roles in the future? Or does this feel like your niche? You know, I actually think that they're very different from each other. Yeah, they are different from each other. There's a lot of darkness to some of these characters that you play. Are you thinking about changing it up? Or is it just sort of letting things take its course? 
I think being a teenager and coming of age is dark. There you go. So you and I first met when we did a story on you, and I would say it was after Euphoria achieved some success, but probably before its major explosion in popularity. And we're going to talk about Euphoria in a bit. At the time of our first interview, I was really taken with and impressed by the way in which you prepare for your roles. Can you share a little bit more about what you told me? You create books to build the characters that you play. You make an interactive timeline a journal, a diary of their entire lives from the day they were born to the first page of the script. Yes. I had this mentor when I was younger who told me that I should separate myself as much as I can from the character I play because sometimes you can easily get lost in the character. And I never wanted that to happen. And I enjoy building worlds. I always had imaginary friends and all these imaginary worlds growing up. So I created these books and I basically built this entire imaginary world for the character that I was playing and I would build her from the day she was born until however old she is and so I would figure out where she'd go to school everything with her family friends things that you don't even talk about in the script or would know about and build everything out from that each one's different when I was doing Handmaid's Tale Eden didn't know how to read. So she wouldn't know how to write things down or read anything. So her entire book is visual. So every past memory, anything timeline wise is all done through visual handmade arts and crafts within this book. Where Alice for Sharp Objects definitely didn't want to write down a book or anything about her life. And so it's kind of like a fuck you to whoever made her do this. And each one is made completely different depending on how that character would approach doing it. This book process not only allows you to build a character, but it allows you to separate yourself from the character, which is really interesting. I think because I build my character so thoroughly, I know this character as an actual person, kind of like how you would know your mom or your best friend or yourself. And... I'm able to disassociate myself from whoever I'm playing and go in and out of it. It's so smart. It's a lot of work to do something like that, but the payoff is really great. It is. And especially in TV, because I came from more like an indie short film background and you have the script right in front of you before you start. And so you can go from beginning to end where in TV, I get episodes as we're filming. So it's this ongoing process of building these books, changing things, growing things for my character. And it's a lot of work and it's hard too because episodes change a lot and fast. And sometimes we don't get the script until last minute. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to hustle. Sam knows the kind of work that I've put into the character. So he knows where we came from and built the background together. So it's been a great process. Yeah, but that probably helps too, I would think, having to think on your feet and readjust what it is that you've planned. Has your process evolved at all? Have you added anything else to your prep work for your roles? Jean-Marc Vallée, he actually gave me an iPod that I could listen to the songs while we filmed. I loved that process. So I've started creating albums for different projects and my own characters. I wonder if anyone's asked you this before. Do you ever think about publishing those books or showcasing those books? I've only been asked once by my agents. 
I don't know because one, it's very personal in a weird separated way, but at the same time would be a cool little capsule to show the world. I definitely wouldn't do it anytime soon. No, but it also tells the huge story of your craft. You're literally sharing your very specific, unique way that you do your job with people. So, but I think it would be cool to look at those books. Yeah, everyone's been wanting to see them. The only person who's ever seen it is Bruce Miller on Handmaid's Tale when I was building Eden's book. He wanted to see it because they were still writing the episodes and see if they could put anything that I had in my book into the show. So he's the only one who's actually seen the beginning of one. Wow. Tell me about your book for Olivia, your White Lotus character. You know, it's actually really funny because Olivia and Paula always read all of these very immersive novels on their vacation. So I created a book that looks like she's reading something very intelligent. And then you go inside and it's just a teen girl diary. And it was just her entire life, like I do for all my other ones, and just visually more fun and spunky and I hate my mom kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. It's funny, there's several scenes where the two of them are reading these books, French philosophy and these really amazing works of art. I love that little BTS backstory about Olivia. How do you think you grew creatively by working on this series? I got to dive more into the comedy side of everything. I was working with Molly Shannon and Jennifer Coolidge and Mike White. I learned so much about how you don't force funny. It just naturally is funny. I was always so nervous. Like, oh my God, am I going to hit the jokes or the moments that they're wanting and the timing and the beat instead of just live in the scene and let whatever happen happen. And that's when the funniest stuff comes. Did Molly or Jennifer give you any specific advice about that? You just sit down and watch Jennifer or Molly do their thing. That's all the advice you need. (laughs) I bet. Brilliant Mike White wrote and directed The White Lotus. How did you collaborate with him in terms of playing your character? What did he want from you? Mike's very specific, which I love. He had this podcast. There's these two girls just talking about anything and everything every episode their banter and their timing and they had this like raspy smoker monotone kind of vibe to them he loved the timing and how they spoke to one another and he really wanted Paula and Olivia to play off of that in their most sarcastic moments and so I would really listen to this podcast and then flowing through the scenes with Mike we'd always run through them before we started and build everything together It's true that the rapport between the two of them was really, really great. The banter back and forth. What a beautiful place to shoot, by the way. The story's super intense. It's a social satire, but the setting was so gorgeous. It makes you want to go to Hawaii. I know. I heard that they're actually trying to shut down the flights to Hawaii because so many people are going right now. (laughs) I was like, I really want to go to Hawaii. A big question. How is working with Mike White different than working with Quentin Tarantino? Oh my. (laughs) Oh, wow. I mean, very different. Mike is hilarious. His facial expressions crack me up. He's a lot of fun. He just wants to have fun. Quentin is, 
he wants to have fun, but he's very serious too. He's a big storyteller. I think that's one of my favorite memories that I've taken away from working with him is just sitting down and listening to him tell stories. I don't know how to decipher yeah. how different they are, but the experiences are very different from one another. Yeah, you explained that perfectly. Have you found it intimidating to work with such powerhouse writers and producers and directors thus far in your career? If I were to guess, I would say that because of the way that you prep for a role, you show up so prepared that the answer to that is barely. Am I right? I'm definitely not nervous about my work when I arrived at set and I'm working with these people. I, as said, as myself, I get nervous just because I'm a nervous Nelly. So <laughs> I get a little nervous. But when it comes to work, I feel very free and I enjoy it more. That's beautiful. Of all those that you've worked with so far, who do you think has made the biggest impression on you in terms of the way that they work? I've been so fortunate to be able to work with such immersive and diverse and interesting filmmakers where every single one is completely different from one another. Jean-Marc Vallée, I hope I get to forever work with him just with how creative he is and how when you're an actor he lets you live in a scene and sometimes he never calls cut and just lets you live in it with whatever you're doing and such a beautiful exercise for an actor I thoroughly enjoyed that. Michael Mohan who worked on Voyeurs for Amazon and I also did Everything Sucks for Netflix with him he cares so much about everyone else. And I really took that away because a lot of times you can find crew members or anyone on set who are just there to do their job and don't really care about much other, but he truly cared about his actors and everyone involved. And I've always wanted to be able to emulate that in all of my work. And then Sam Levinson, who is a visionary everything. I hope that if I ever direct, I can direct something like he does. So I can't pick out one. Every single person is so unique. I hope that maybe I can steal different things from each one of them and put it into one me. <laughs> and how have you grown creatively, would you say, in these last big four years, which have been chock full of opportunity and experiences? I mean, creatively, I feel like I'm expanding every day with the books and my imaginary worlds that I had since I was little. I've gotten into art and trying to find different ways to express myself and different forms and outlets. Congratulations on launching your production company, 5050 you. Films. Your first project is The Player's Table, an adaptation of the YA novel, They Wish They Were Us. How did the production company come together and why was it important for you to launch one? I always wanted to be able to do something like this. I just never knew when the right timing would be or when I'd be able to have access to the connections that you need to be able to create projects because it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And I am an avid reader. I love reading, hence my imaginary world. When I read books, I dive into them and I, I see them play out around me. And I asked my agents a few years back about sending me books. And they started sending me lists of books that hadn't been released yet. And I started reading them and I fell in love with They Wish They Were Us. I called my agents and I was like, I saw this in my head so clearly. 
this is something I want to do. I want to build this. I know exactly how this should be made. Can I please meet with the author? And so I flew to New York and I met with Jessica Goodman and she was a young female writer, which I was obsessed with. I was like, please believe in me. Please trust me. I know I have never done this before, but I will try my hardest and I will work my hardest to make this happen for us. What did she say in that meeting? I can only imagine how cool that meeting was. She just couldn't believe it because she was a first time writer and she was yeah. like, the fact that someone so soon wanted to do this. And this was the same summer that Euphoria was coming out. So she'd been watching it previously in Handmaid's Tale. She was a big fan of it was this perfect timing and collaboration. When I read the book, I automatically saw big little lies in my head. I love it. Working with Jean-Marc and Nathan Ross from Crazy Rose, I was like, this would be perfect. So I met with them. They saw the vision the same way I did. And then we started building it together. Throughout that process, I loved it and I enjoy it and I want to do more of it. So I started my company and I've been acquiring rights to different books and developing different projects. Can you talk about any of those other books or no? I don't want to. I just pulled another one recently that hopefully soon I'll be able to announce. And then I have a few more that I'm about to take out. Congrats. The amazing Jean-Marc Vallée is producing and it stars Ewan Halsey. Yes. You talked a little bit about Jean-Marc Vallée. He's somebody that has great taste and major creative, beautiful vision. You worked with him on Sharp Objects. He's also known for Dallas Buyers Club and Big Little Lies. Tell me a little bit more about Jean-Marc. He is really driven by music. It was one thing that I've never quite experienced before on the set. We really saw when we read this book and what we want to expand on was the social and economical hierarchies within schools and demographics and the issues within this high class that some people don't really dive into the correct way, how we want to visually show how difficult it is to grow up an underdog and try to break the system that you grew up in and you're within. And it's going to be crazy. We just got the pilot. I read it and I'm obsessed with it. I'm really excited. I'm so excited for you. Is there a loose timeline for this? I have to finish Euphoria first. Euphoria takes a lot of my time and then I'll be able to dive into that. Are there any other actors attached to it at this point? We're going to finish the scripts and then go into the casting process. You mentioned Amazon Voyeurs is up next for you. What can we expect of your character Pippa in the film? Pippa was a delight to play. I was able to put a lot of my quirkiness into her, which I've never quite done in a character before. She is trying to figure life out and gets sucked into the lives of some others and she's fun she's crazy we're not allowed to say much about it because there's many twists and turns so i'm trying yeah. to figure out what i can say but okay it's an erotic thriller and pippa has a crazy ride love it i can't wait to see it how are you loving spending your time these days when you're not working what do you love filling your days and your time with you work so much sydney well i have my dog tank which you heard earlier So she keeps me busy. I rescued her when I was in high school and she's been my best friend slash daughter ever since. We just hang out, watch movies. Yesterday we slept in and watched a Nicholas Sparks movie and just laid in bed all day. (laughs) Perfect day. Yeah. So she takes up a lot of my time and I work out. I work on my cars. That's about it. I like to work. If I'm not working, I feel like I'm going crazy. I like to feel 
anxiety with too much on my plate. And that's when I know I'm doing okay when I'm not working. What else do you do for self-care besides workout? To be honest, I need to get better at it. I didn't grow up with like self-care in your face all the time. So it's not something that I automatically tend to go for or do. I haven't quite figured out. I like taking long showers sometimes. I'll light some candles, try to spice it up and feel better. <laughs> You've been on some big time binge-worthy series. So I'm curious about what you are binge watching or what you have binge watched. Oh gosh, you're going to laugh at what I binge watched. <laughs> I'm dying to hear. It can't be as bad as all the things that I binge watched. So well, we'll see. So it depends really what mood I'm in. But when I start something, I can't stop. I always have HGTV on. I love watching Property Brothers. Wait, Sydney, have you gotten the Magnolia Network yet? No, what's this? Oh boy. It's better than HGTV. Nothing's better than HGTV. Oh, I'm telling you, (laughs) I just binge watched Magnolia Network over the weekend. Okay. The home and garden show add that to your apple tv and get ready for some fun and games okay so you watch hgtv i watch hgtv i am currently in the midst of a svu binge oh. i've made it to season seven and so impressive I, i'm the kind of person that i cannot watch anything else until i finish it so probably for the next couple of months i'll be watching svu i love it who are your closest friends? Who do you like to surround yourself by? So I grew up in a smaller town and I grew up with my family. So all my cousins, we all grew up next to each other and I'm really close with all of them. So I try to continue staying close with them, even though I'm down here and family's kind of like my closest people. What are the pros and cons of being in the spotlight? Can you say at this point? You know, I don't really go out much, so... I don't really feel it unless I'm going to events, but I think it's hard because I think a lot of people forget that you're just a normal person. I was not born into this at all. This was very different from how I was raised. So I'm still trying to figure it all out as I go. Yeah. I think that it's hard. You don't have much wiggle room to make mistakes. So it's a really great way of putting it. Let's talk social media. You're in what I would say an intense position because of where you are in your career and how social media has to play a part. It's wonderful to have a platform, but it's a double-edged sword because the platform that you have on those platforms includes a vast array of people that hide behind their screens and use social media to spread negativity. So a couple of months ago, your appearance became a trending subject on Twitter and you chose to address it. I was furious. The whole thing was ridiculous watching it happen. Why did you make the choice to address it? And how are you feeling about that choice now? Two things. One, I was having a horrible day to begin with. I had a really shitty day and it was one of those cherry on the top that pushes you over. And yes, in high school, I think I was a freshman. One of the girls my age killed herself because of social media and bullying. And when I was in middle school, I was bullied really bad and my parents ended up sending the police to the school. And I think that people forget how hurtful and strong words and social media can be and that it truly does have horrible effects on people. 
And I think that they forget that these pictures and these videos that they see of celebrities or even normal people, that they are real people and they do have feelings and they may not think the same things about themselves as everyone else puts on them. And so I think that it's just important for people to remember that things can hurt and what they say can affect people. Have you changed your relationship to social media at all in the wake of what happened? How do you perceive social media today? Is there any fun left in social media for someone like you? It's definitely not as fun as it used to be, unfortunately. I used to feel very free with just posting whatever because most of my family actually follows me. So a lot of what I post is for them to be able to follow my life. And so then I forget that there's way more people than them looking at what I'm doing. So I definitely second guess myself a lot, which almost feels disgusting that I'm having to second guess posting something, which is so stupid. And I've definitely noticed people just trying to piss you off now. So yeah, it's a spiral. It's just a spiral of people not even knowing what they're really even saying, not paying attention. Exactly. And no one truly knows me. I only say what I want everyone to hear. So they don't know how I grew up or where I came from or the struggles that I had to go through. And so sometimes when people say things, it just feels really shallow and it's difficult. Euphoria has had major critical acclaim and success. It's HBO's most streamed show ever. People are obsessed with all things Euphoria, everything down to the wardrobe and the styling and the makeup, the writing, the acting, the plot lines. It's a thing. So from your perspective, why do you think this is? What is it about Euphoria? You know, I've tried to put my finger on one specific thing, and I think that that's difficult to do. I think Sam is very in touch with what he is creating and... Also, everyone puts so much of themselves into every part of this show. I mean, the crew works so hard on the show and it's unbelievable. We work so many long hours and we work almost an entire year where most shows can be done in five, six months and we go to 10 and everyone gives basically themselves to this entire show. And I think that all of the hard work and the dedication and the emotion put into this really shows. And I think we connect to a lot of people. We have a lot of fun when we do it. Seems like you do. How did the pandemic affect Euphoria? Literally, we had our first table read, if I can remember correctly, on a Wednesday or Thursday, and then our second table read that Friday. And we were supposed to start filming season two Monday, which was that March 15th when everything Literally, happened. my God, that's right. And Saturday, we got a call from the producer saying, so we're going to have to shut down for just two weeks, play it out. We'll see how it is. It's two weeks and we'll come back. And then two weeks later, we get another call. We're going to have to push it another month or so. We're just going to wait it out. And so every month or so, we just keep getting another call. And then finally, I think it was towards June, we get a call saying, we'll let you know. (laughs) We're like, oh no. So that's basically what happened. We got pushed an entire year. We started back up in April. I want to say some mini episodes were filmed, right? There were too many episodes filmed during the fall. And then you guys are shooting right now, right? Yes. We are currently filming season two. And are you in the middle of the season or toward the end? Do we know when it's coming back? We're in the middle. 
Is there anything else, any kind of insider BTS from working on this season that you can share with our followers behind the scenes stuff with the cast and the crew? We're filming on film, which is really amazing. Such a beautiful experience, but also a little tricky because you'll be in the middle of a scene and then all of a sudden the camera rolls out and you have to start all over again, but it looks amazing. What are you excited by in terms of this upcoming season? I know you can't talk specifics, but is there anything you could share? I'm really excited for the depths that Cassie goes through, if I can say that. Let's wrap with your sixth list of some of your favorite things. What are the six things that you're loving right now? Okay. There are these Kit Kat drumsticks. You know those drumstick ice cream cones? Yeah. Oh. But they partnered with Kit Kat. And so the outer layer is Kit Kats. Oh my God. That's it is to die for. I ran out and I've been searching every store possible for these and I can't find them anywhere. And then I went to go visit my family back home in Idaho and I went to the store and there were like six boxes of these. <laughs> I bought the entire store out. I was like, I have to, I ate probably four in one day. So I'm obsessed with those. Oh my God. Did you literally travel back to LA with six boxes? No, I'm trying to get my mom to send them in like a- In an ice bag. bag. But she, she started eating them herself and now she doesn't want to send them. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, number two, what else is on your list of- Number two, I love the, I have so many different colors. I'm actually wearing them right now, but the Ugg fluffy slides. Our current cover star, Andra Day, loves them. She's obsessed with them. So many different colors. I wear them all day long. I love, they're my favorite. Okay, number three. I religiously used since, I think it was my first chapstick ever, Burt's Bees, like the OG chapstick. I have one in every single purse, every drawer possible. I've been obsessed with that my entire life. Nice. What else is on your list? I started using in the last two weeks and I use it every single day. It's a solo wave wand. So a microcurrent red light therapy it heats up vibrates on your face and it's this wand and you just do it for like five minutes a day I went to the gym today everyone's like your skin it's glowing it looks so good what have you changed and that's the only thing I've changed and I'm kind of obsessed with it oh that's a good tip what else is on your list two more things two more things okay I just got this Fendi bag it's their like iconic baguette style but it comes in an embroidery kit so it's just a blank Fendi bag that I get to knit and crochet the designs myself and it comes with all of the threads the needles anything you need to be able to design whatever you want onto this bag and I love arts and crafts and anything artsy so I freaked out when I saw this was a thing and I got it and I can't wait to use it I had not heard about that right me really I hadn't heard about that that's really fun yeah so I'm really excited I don't know what I'm gonna put on it yet I just got it over the weekend and I'm excited what else are you shopping for these days which designers do you love oh man it depends on where I'm going what I'm doing and what mood I'm in. I'm going to Italy 
And so I went to Aritzia, Prada. I like Prada a lot. <laughs> I know. I love Prada. It's so funny. The last time we spoke, you were going to Italy that summer. Do you go to Italy every summer? I kind of go to Italy every year. That's so great. That's such a good plan. I love that. Reformation sundresses. Oh, they're so good. Love Levi's shorts. Easy. Love them. They're very me. Are you still into sneakers? I am. I still wear my Nike Air Force Ones. I love it. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else on your list that you didn't mention? Yeah, I've gotten really into, and this stems from Euphoria, photography. So I got a Contax T2 point and shoot film camera. And I've been traveling with it and just learning more about it. Everyone on Euphoria knows so much about cameras and everyone has all these really cool devices and I was like man I'm slacking so I got it and I've just been learning about it and it's been a lot of fun all right great thanks so much Sydney I'm so excited that two years after we first spoke you're our latest cover star and I'm looking forward to seeing you grow as an artist and I will always look forward to what you're doing next thanks so much for being on the podcast Of course. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to see the cover. Oh, it's so pretty. Ah! Oh, I can't wait to see it. Bye. Bye.